Hey everybody, welcome to episode 237 of Up for Discussion, the emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Adrian Schoen. I'm Juniper May. I'm Robert Green. Welcome back. Thanks. Great to be back. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So at this point, we'd just like to take a moment and acknowledge that the studio where we record this is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyan Gahaka First Nations. I actually myself just got back from a cross-Canada trip and... During that time, I was passing through the territories of a lot of different nations, and it reinforced for me how very important it is for us as settlers, as migrants, um, of people who aren't of Indigenous backgrounds, to make the effort to find out whose territories we're living in and in what ways we can support those communities Mm. and contribute to Indigenous uprising and Indigenous sovereignty. So I'd like to extend that invitation to you as listeners right now to take a moment, think about where you find yourself. If you don't know whose territories you're on, Maybe pause the podcast and take a couple minutes to do a quick little bit of research. Google it. You've done that beautifully. I, I hear people, it's like kind of a trend now that people like read this thing out and then, you know, like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think the really important thing with it is situating yourself in the land yeah. acknowledgement. Like it has to come from where you interact with the land. It has to be personal or there's yeah. no real point in doing it. Yeah. yeah. So. It's funny, I was uh, talking to somebody I work with, and he's very um, high up in the company, and a lot of, like, very successful person, and he's been teaching leadership for a very long time, and one of the things he said that he always gives to his students is, like, learn something that you're um, uncomfortable with, something that's difficult, like, always bring in something that you're you're bad at, and then he recently got involved in an activity where he was taking lessons and being bad at it. He's like, I've been telling people to do this forever, and I hate it. I'm so bad. I hate being bad at something. But like to have that perspective of, um, you know, like putting yourself in an uncomfortable place and mm-hmm. to like, and it's so important to yeah. do it. And diving into indigenous relationships will definitely do that because you're never the good guy. No, you're not. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, like it's it, one of those things easier said than done. Like it's an uncomfortable spot to be in. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does like, so, so for people listening who might not know, sure. Rob, you taught me AP psychology back in yep. high school. Yep. Uh, you oh, still he's teach. your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, and you still teach at uh, Westmount High. Yep. Uh, and you're running for the Green Party. Indeed. Yeah. Right oh, here yeah. in NDG Westmount. Which is amazing. It's uh, a lot of fun. How does, how does like, does this kind of stuff come up in what you're teaching at school? Because you're teaching history, Absol- so yeah, abs- surely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm teaching Canadian history. So, um, you know, the, the whole issue of, uh, of reconciliation and, and acknowledging, you know, parts of our history that have been sort of suppressed for a long time uh, is a major component of my classes, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and I think, you know, we... I think the, the other teachers at my school also have have kind of taken a look at the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and thought about ways that we can kind of try to implement that locally. Um, and I've also been sort of speaking out in the media about mm-hmm. our government's uh, in Quebec's failure to yeah. to like address the calls to action at all, despite the fact that they just overhauled the the curriculum for history mm. um, right right at the moment that the calls to action came out and right. they just ignored them. Yeah, well, they're busy, you know, trying to get women not to wear headscarves. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, they've got their priorities. Jeez, uh, yeah. How, how recent was the most recent reform? Because I remember the last history curriculum you sent me a few years ago. Yeah was like a hot mess yeah i imagine there's been another since well actually i I think it was like the same one from two or three years ago so where we've just uh i guess last year the new books came into sec four the year Mm -hmm. before that they were in sec three and then actually they they called back the sec three textbook uh and made some changes to it and then reissued that so it's it's fairly recent that that's Mm -hmm. that's all happened and you know it's 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 not just the indigenous issues 
that are just abhorrent in this curriculum. I mean, they've basically eliminated the positive contributions to Quebec society by all minority groups and and cast anglophones in the role of comic book villain. Why am uh, I not so yeah, yeah. So you know, it's real really fun to use that textbook with my anglophone <laughs> students. Uh, As a white person, I find this confusing. <laughs> <laughs> basically, we're supposed to be comic book villains. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. We're that supposed to tell play everybody else. We're <laughs> having my white privilege. Now it's French privilege. <laughs> yeah, that's it's awful. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating thing. And and I was just talking to my mom, and it, so maybe this is something that you can really um, kind of dig into. So uh, I'm American. Yep. And my mom's like, well, I thought Canada had like a, a better situation with the native peoples like i thought that they were really fucking it up that bad and i was like well <laughs> that's funny it's just not that's a what we want the world to think <laughs> yeah yeah and you know just to to say better or worse between canada and the united states it's not a race is, yeah one <laughs> it's not a race awful. and and i think it feeds in even to the the perception that we as canadians have about ourselves that i think we're, so yeah that oh you know the really bad colonization and things happened in the united states and that we've moved beyond that but mm-hmm. uh this is such such dangerous thinking and 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 it we see it paralleled with uh our beliefs about how we we've uh, treated, you know, black people in Canada over the years. We mm-hmm. tend to think that, oh, yes, we welcomed, you know, the people coming on the Underground Railroad um, and then neglect to mention that those people that came up here on the Underground Railroad were given zero rights and were treated as second-class citizens, were not even allowed to live wherever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've, we are pretty good at whitewashing our own history in Canada. And certainly as a history teacher, I think that's one of my roles is to, uh, is to point that out to my students and in fact it you know that tends to be some of the most like energetic and and interesting discussions that occur in my class uh is when we start taking a critical look at the curriculum itself and at Mm -hmm. the textbook itself um you know students you know just just asking them to memorize what's in the textbook is not engaging but asking them to think critically about it is highly engaging so yeah for sure yeah how does the um so like, so you're running for office. I am. Um, how does that sort of like factor in with the like, the teaching side of things? Because I know, you know, the school board has its elected people within it, right? Yep. But how much kind of interplay, I guess, is there between like the, I guess, political figures in the city right. and the like school board curriculum stuff? Um, I don't know if I asked that question well. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what you what you mean. <laughs> like, I, I guess what I mean is like, is it entirely at the school board level that things get decided, or do like politicians have kind of oh yeah influence there? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, the the school board is just a cog in the chain, mm-hmm. and then above that is the Ministry of Education, okay. and so. You know, um, as I was, we were just discussing this a little bit before the podcast mm-hmm. started, that like with my job, you know, the the part that I love, the part that like keeps me in this job is my interactions with the students. It's, mm-hmm. it's really, you know, I, I often say the non-monetary rewards of this job are almost unmatched by any other job. But the part of my job that is an actual and like an insane nightmare is everything having to do with the bureaucracy, right. everything having to do with school boards, <laughs> ministries of education. Uh, you know, almost nothing that they provide you makes any sense. And you're, you're, it, it feels like if you want to do justice for your students, you have to be constantly fighting against that right. and, and sort of hijacking the curriculum where you can and, and you know, taking this really... Uh, bad situation and trying to do the best for your students in that so so I, I i understand like the bureaucracy is a constant stress and struggle but there must be like some really shitty kid that um <laughs> is also a daily chat like what's the worst thing that's happened to you who's well, your shit you know what <laughs> My, the kids look there's kids that come in at the beginning of the year that are somewhat defiant you yep. know and will and will test me 
but I it, it really that defiance usually doesn't last long because I I usually will listen to them mm-hmm. and and then engage in a in an actual dialogue with them after class and and not in like a you're staying after class but like let's let's talk about what just happened and you know thus far in my career and I'm, I'm knocking on wood here <laughs> I've been really successful at, at turning those negative interactions into really positive dynamics and uh and yeah and i think it's 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 not hard to do either there's nothing magical about it it's really respecting the human dignity of everybody that comes into your classroom and and listening to them and valuing what they say um and i've just found that that just does have a way of of dissolving whatever defiance and getting people into a space where you know where we can work together so you're a good teacher. Okay. Well, I, I, I try to be. I really try to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's much less funny for yeah, me, but okay. no, no, no. better for society, I suppose. Yeah, I, but I you know, over the years, I mean, you know, i've I've had a I've had a bag of French fries thrown in my face. <laughs> did you really? Well, yeah, yeah, that, that did happen oh, at one wow. time. I mean, you know, oh th- there has been things that have happened, and I, you know, I've certainly been sworn at and yelled at, and and all of that by students, but. <laughs> But it's never been like I don't think I've ever had such an issue with a student that yeah. that that situation like you know I don't know festers for the the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the other thing is I I you know I remember what it's like to be a, a teenager. I was an idiot when I was a teenager. I said all kinds of stupid things and did even stupider things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know if you don't if you're not able to like have the humility to remember that about yourself. Uh, you know, it, it, it will then become very easy to judge, you know, these these kids around you. And mm-hmm. I, I prefer not to go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but their brains are still baking. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, <laughs> like literally the frontal lobes of the teenage boys that I, I, I teach have not fully developed yet. What about the girls? Uh, their frontal lobes develop earlier. And so they have better better impulse control as teenagers oh. than, than teenage boys well, that do. that explains my whole it, life. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a little bit of from psychology class. Right, yeah, huh? well, I, I, I was just thinking like the. I, I feel like the thing that maybe was challenging about me as a student was that I didn't want to do the work for the most part. But you took yeah. that and you said, "Okay, well, let me show you how to like do the work in a way that feels like productive." Right. You know? like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you were like, "If you don't feel like combing through the." textbooks to figure out what the answers are come sit with me have a conversation about it yeah and like i remember anytime you would assign a test i would come meet with you like the next day at lunch or whatever and be like okay so like talk me through this yeah and like without giving me the answers directly it'd be like well this is kind of the stuff you need to be looking at and thinking about and you would like ask those guiding questions yeah instead of just being like i don't know read a textbook yeah no doubt and like that was so valuable for me because it gave me like it gave me this idea that you don't have to just like read the rule book and do things like sometimes you can like seek out the information from people and like absolutely try to actually you know wrapping your mind around a concept is much more useful than just like memorizing facts and regurgitating them you well, know? in history you know in particular that. is like we are built for narrative we are mm. built for stories exactly. and history exactly. is so amazing when it comes to just repeating patterns and recognizable things and like extraordinary weird stuff that is yep. so engaging yep. and I, I literally remember and I had a very good teacher in seventh grade who I, I love very much but I, I remember falling asleep in a class <laughs> and then getting called on and they were ah! and then reading the next bolded thing in the book and right. apparently it was the right answer <laughs> <laughs> well and that that like I guess the one of the biggest banes of my existence as a history teacher is the ministry exam at the end of the year mm-hmm. because that those are the handcuffs that stop me from from going even further and hijacking the curriculum <laughs> yeah. because I, I have to like I have to turn back to the textbook and it's like all right, let's stop talking about that interesting thing and let's return <laughs> to the timber trade under the British regime and you know things like that and yeah. and and it that it is maddening because like there's nothing real about that. There's mm-hmm. it's just it's rote learning as you say and and it's doing no justice to my students at all other than than helping them credential themselves on this ministry exam. Mm-hmm. But like does that make them, you know, better human beings, better citizens? better critical thinkers not at all and uh yeah so well speaking of jumping to the next bolded thing (laughs) (laughs) i am the king of segues 
Well, that was super smooth. That right? totally works. Totally. I feel like if I stop acknowledging how good my segues are, they'll be even better. Probably. No, yeah. I think you have to point it out. <laughs> it's like when you have a really good pickup line and then you're like, ha And then it's not as good anymore. Yeah. It could have been smooth, but you were like, but that's the charm of the thing. It's true. That's why. I, I recognize this was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's always smooth? Our sponsor. Is it Chaos. Chaos. <laughs> that's Chaos with a K. And an H. And an H. Are you looking to produce some high-quality branded content without breaking the bank? Totally. Always. Right? Yeah. Chaos makes content marketing easy, affordable, and accessible by offering a studio-on-demand model and various subscription packages that make it easy to create consistent content for your audience and potential customers. Wow. Sounds pretty good so far, right? I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Do you want professional sound equipment for podcasts and voiceovers like Heck this one? Yeah. If I didn't have Tom, yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, George. (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody has Tom. Not everybody has Tom. That's true. Uh, Do you want cinema-grade cameras, lenses, and lighting packages? I don't have those. No, you have none of those. You gotta get those, Tom. I know. I know. I have a decent I want to make a music video. Let's go. Come on. That's why there's no conflict of interest. That's it. (laughs) How about live streaming capability and event hosting? You don't have any of that either. I'm talking like good live streaming, not like Facebook Live, you know, webcam video. It can be bad. So it sounds like we all need chaos in our lives. We all need chaos in our lives. Whether your business is starting a podcast, building a video empire, or adding live streams to your social media pages, chaos has a package that will help you create consistent, reliable content for your audience. I feel like the mood of this (laughs) royalty-free punk music just changed. (laughs) Also, it it punctuated your statement. That was punk music? It's generous to call it punk, right? (laughs) Yeah, um, not the category I would have put it in, but all right, Tom. Anyway. If you want all of that stuff and more, you can go to createchaos.com or check them out on Instagram at createchaos to find out more. That's chaos with a K. And an H. Which is kind of punk, I gotta say. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling that like creative commons and punk rock don't really jive. <laughs> uh, should we head over to the cash corner? Oh. If we must. If we must. We must. We must. We must. All hey, right. Welcome to the Cash Corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. Over the past few weeks, we've been highlighting all the different perks you can get by signing up to our Patreon. I'm very tired today. <laughs> I officiated a wedding yesterday, and boy, are my arms tired. Oh, <laughs> oof. Did you enjoy that weird ad we just ran for our sponsor, Chaos? I like that you predicted that it would be weird. <laughs> it's always it's weird. always weird. It's chaos. Well, what if I told you that you can have an ad like that of your own for only 50 bucks? What? Wow. Only 50 bucks? 50 bucks? I might just run ads for fun. Right? You could. <laughs> if you think about it, that's only 12.50 per episode. Sometimes Sweet. $10 per episode if the month has five Tuesdays, but you know, Oh, look for the deal. Yeah. I think <laughs> plan September, accordingly. September only has four Tuesdays, I'll be honest, but October also <laughs> no october has five tuesdays there we go oh snap somebody get on that anyway 10 to 12 dollars and 50 cents per episode is really not bad to run an ad in the middle of a show especially right. one as high quality as the one we just did for chaos mm-hmm. so i gotta be honest with you like that's not a great price for us but we offer it to our listeners because we appreciate you and we think of you as part of our family so if you want to advertise your thing all it takes is 50 bucks do it what a deal such a good deal it's a great deal. Yeah. And as always, if you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the fine ranks of folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Jan, Killian? Killian. You've taken out the thing that says pronounce Killian. <laughs> Sarah Angelica, Will, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Kate, and Paulo? Yeah. Oh, is he new? He's new. Oh, yeah. welcome. Welcome to the family. Hi, Paolo. Uh, you'll get early access to bonus content, little behind-the-scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. Plus, if you give at least $5 a month, you'll get to submit the featured question for an episode once per cycle on the show. Today's featured Patreon question comes from Paolo, and he asks, what's the one teaching method from back in the day that you feel is no longer viable for today's generation? So many. All of them. I know. <laughs> okay, not all of them, but a lot of them. Well, that's the thing. I feel like like teaching, and I'm sure you can speak you know, volumes to this, mm-hmm. but my like initial reaction to this is like, I feel like there's teaching methods from last year that probably don't work for today's generation of students. Right. Right? And also there's yeah. like shitty teachers. It's true. <laughs> Always. I also <laughs> have like 
kind of the reverse of that, a teaching method that I think should come back from like way back in the day oh, is like apprenticeships. Yeah. Like I think yeah, I would have done absolutely. so much better with like an apprenticeship approach to yep. the things I wanted to learn. Yeah. And I just trades are the only things you can really apprentice in these exactly. days and I'm yeah. like, why? Yeah. I want to be an apprentice in like math, you know? I, I was don't. hoping it'd be sorcerer, but uh, <laughs> I would rather be <laughs> an apprentice. Sorcerer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like there should be apprenticeships for kind of everything that you can learn. Yeah, it's a much better. Actually, it's Maybe interesting because um, I watched a documentary this morning, so I'm an expert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so my husband's a classical musician, and they uh, put out this documentary like on VMO or something called uh, Composed. <laughs> okay. And it's about um, anxiety and. Um, like stage fright with the professional musicians and something they don't talk about very much. And one of the things like one of the guys was talking about was this uh, mentorship model is kind of not enough for a lot of people. Like Mm. it, it, I I think one of the core ideals of what they were talking about was everybody has this anxiety because they are pressured at all times to be perfect. And they're performing things like an Olympic level. Like they are fine motor Olympic athletes. Oh, definitely. And it, yeah, it, it's a, a it's such a high pressure thing. And so when they go up to audition, which is an incredibly different skill from actually playing, they are paralyzed and it's so pervasive. And then like they're on beta blockers and they're not talking about it. And, um, you know, everybody has like their confirmation bias of like, well, I did Zen and now like I won an audition. <laughs> so that's the thing. And, you know, everybody has a different model, but like they're not equipped to deal with stress and anxiety they're not psychologists and it's become part of their world but they're saying like the the mentorship program is inspiring and good in a lot of ways but also it's not as comprehensive as getting diverse opinions of a thing Hmm. um which is a really interesting kind of way to look at it because i think we would all like to you know really dive deep into one thing there's something Hmm. very romantic about it but i don't know that it's always like there's a reverse side Mm -hmm. of it Sure. No, I definitely, I guess when I think of like an apprenticeship model, I'm thinking of it in tandem with other mm-hmm. right. fields mm-hmm. of like right. exploration and education, but just having kind of that more like direct mentorship and like hands-on learning. That's it. The, I mean, what learning by doing is always going to be the best form of learning. So right. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense, right? And that's kind of like what the, that's what the idea is with student teachers too, right? Is that like they're learning they're taking all these classes on education and then also having to kind of I thought student teaching was a hazing ritual is it not is it not I, 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 I was above? sure of that that you have to go in there and work your butt off for like no money for a long long time and uh, the kids in the class are just paid actors yeah, 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 yeah that's it that's it yeah exactly grade these 500 things yes. <laughs> surprise you have to coach the glee club today. right <laughs> But it, like the thing I came out of that was that um, anxiety is the enemy of learning, but anxiety and stress are also the impotence of motivation. So to practice, to do, to like, you have to have some sort of motivation or insecurity or like stress is a motivating factor. And there's mm. two sides of that coin. Yeah, or, but it, it actually, it, but it's also a blocker of absolutely. your ability to, to take in information. And yeah. this is actually one of the biggest struggles we're dealing with right now in the classroom because, um, you know, with the gadgets, the amount of screen time that, mm. that kids are spending, um, you know, they're their mental health is not doing so well these days. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that in the classroom in, in a variety of ways. Um, and yeah, to to help students find ways to deal with their stress is, is increasingly part of the job as a, of yeah. a teacher. Like we're like more and more, you're seeing sort of mindfulness exercises and stuff coming into the classroom, which, which I, I have mixed feelings about mm-hmm. like the whole thing around mind, mindfulness. I mean, they're, they're also, I, <laughs> to, just to illustrate my mixed feelings about this, a couple, it was maybe about six or seven years ago that the big teachers conference that they have every year here in Montreal featured about seven workshops on mindfulness. Wow. And the reason why I, I was a little bit like as much as I'm in favor of that, um, it should not 
be a replacement for dealing with the structural problems that are in front of you. So like Mm -hmm. when there's seven workshops on how to meditate and make your mind more calm and not a single one about how the underfunding of the system is (laughs) is basically affecting you, um, there's a big problem. Well, it's one more (laughs) job. That is not your job, and it, and it's also it's also like just pushing this this sort of uh, radical individualism that if if you've got problems it's because it's it's because of you and mm-hmm. it's up to you to deal with it. But you know what? If I just lost my job because my boss fired me, right? Like that that's there's a reason that I'm not happy right now, and right. it has nothing to do with my ability to meditate. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely seen a discourse come into play recently where it's like the promotion of self care is totally eclipsing the need for community care, mm. which exactly. is like yep. so essential to being human well and and it's not I believe it's not a coincidence that the rise of self care has come at the same time of neoliberal politics. Oh, definitely. Where not. where basically any support from governments is being pulled away, there's austerity being uh, being applied to all of the social supports that we have, uh, so that the tax cuts can be doled out to the rich guys. And we're being told, you know, just meditate a little bit as your living <laughs> conditions get really, really terrible and your life becomes really stressed and all these things. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is this driving thing, like, um, I was just listening to the dollop, they did, like, a whole episode on the guys who created um, Soylent. Hmm. I haven't heard that one yet, I gotta... It's really interesting, (laughs) but, uh, and they might be a little unfairly harsh on this guy, who's no doubt weird. Right. (laughs) No doubt, like, problematic in his own ways, but there is a larger uh, symptom of what he's promoting that I don't think is probably his fault. But uh, this idea of, like, I don't need to eat any more uh, like real food and meals because I need to apply more of my time working. Right. Like I need to streamline my life to the point that I'm a computer. Like Hmm. I need to keep putting the output and and it is this drive of like this all consuming desire for efficiency. Yeah. And success. Yeah. And at the expense of all things that are like make life worth living. And that, that goes part and parcel with, I think, like problems with the way we look at education. And, and again, and this ties in with neoliberalism, we are more and more looking at education as basically just like a credentialing system, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're going to school, why? So you can get to the, the diploma and then go to the next level. And mm-hmm. then you're gonna get that diploma and go to the next level. And then you're gonna get a job and then all of this kind of stuff. But, but the whole notion of like education being valuable in and of itself and for its own sake uh, gets lost. And so, you know, and that causes both kids and parents to become so hyper focused on grades. Mm-hmm. And and that then just just causes stress levels to go up and it, and it it robs the classroom of what I think it should be all about, which is the joy of of learning and discovery and doing all these kinds of things and sharing and exchanging. Yeah, cuz if you don't love that process then why would you ever do it other than like i've got a benchmark to hit yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's like when you were saying that like stress and like anxiety are like a motivator to learn that really took me back because i'm like i don't think so like those are a motivator to achieve but like curiosity and desire and like yeah curiosity i think is kind of the main motivator for actually learning anything like when I was in school, I did really, really well. I was in the gifted program. I got awards. I feel like I wasted the entire time I was in school. I don't feel like I left with anything valuable. Like I'm in my adult life. I'm not going to post-secondary school because I don't want that same experience. And I just feel like I was completely cheated of like the most valuable years of my life when I had the capacity to learn the most because none of my capacities were developed. I wasn't taught how to how to learn or how to Hmm. find information or how to engage in meaningful conversations. I was just like, here's what you need to learn. And I was smart enough to figure out this is what the teachers want to hear. This is what the papers want to have. And I can do no actual work and just coast through. And I am like so mad about it now that I'm an adult. (laughs) That's funny because I I also learned that from you. (laughs) And and I'm happy that I learned it. So that's interesting. Like that that kind of like different kind of final outcome of that. Hmm. 
But it, like all this kind of boils down to like I got to go back to my favorite philosopher of education, a guy by the name of Paulo Freire. He's a, a Bra Brazilian philosopher and activist, and he wrote uh, I think probably one of the most important books ever about education. It's called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed, and basically what he's saying he's he's analyzing the the sort of the mainstream uh, education system that that existed in Brazil. He's Brazilian that existed in Brazil at that time, and he refers to this as the banking model of education. In, and the way it works is that the teacher is seen as the one with all the knowledge. And he's standing or she is standing at the front of the class and the students that come into the class are seen as empty vessels. And the job of the teacher is to deposit, make a deposit into the empty vessel. And Freire contrast, and, and I guess the problem with that is that one, it's deadly boring it's 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 not real like there's not no real connections that you can make with it it's actually very ineffective in helping students learn and and Freire also points out it's it's actually oppressive in that it denies students the ability to look at the world around them and look at the problems in the world around them and and develop skills in collective decision-making and problem-solving. So Freire's model of education uh, is, is, is a liberatory model of education that is not that, that recognizes that every single person that comes into the classroom is coming in with their own knowledge and that the job of the teacher is more of a facilitator to mm -hmm. facilitate the knowledge coming out of the students into a process of collective decision-making. And, you know, I, 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 I got to now just just connect that with my experience uh, teaching about the climate emergency that we're all in right mm -hmm. now, because, you know, I think for years now, you know, the, 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 the whole issue of global warming has been taught in a very mechanical way of like, you know, this much carbon in the atmosphere and then and then, you know, these potential problems coming, but never, never put in a way that's like. This is a problem that's going to affect us all. And how are we as a society going to address that? And that involves moving beyond merely the science of how much, you know, how many parts per million of carbon are in the atmosphere and, and engaging in, well, what, what does social change look like? How does it happen? How can individuals be agents of social change? And those kinds of discussions are real for students. They come away feeling like, like, like this is something meaningful for them, not mm. just like, you know, garbage in, garbage out mm -hmm. and, and perform on the, on the test. And then when you feel like you've actually learned something or traded knowledge with someone, like for me at least, I always feel better equipped. Yes. And school yeah. was never something that made me feel equipped yeah. for anything it. other than more school and like a... That's it. Industrial job, and which it, is what it's for. If school should be about anything, in my view, it should be about empowerment. It hmm. should be about like helping people understand their world and and feel more empowered in dealing with the world. Yeah. So and are you telling me that history and science might be a complementary education in some oh, way? Oh <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely am. Uh, yeah. So what was it? What's what's the great meme about that? Uh, it's, you know, science could tell us uh, how to clone a Tyrannosaurus Rex. History, tells history us will tell us why idea. it's a really bad idea, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just I'm crazy. Like, and and I I'm I was raised a big fan of Star Trek. Thanks, mom. <laughs> but like that idea of that inspirational sense of it that that because I think the science can get overwhelming and really. Um, anxiety inducing like yeah. we're all headed for some real bad times yeah. and um but if you look at the broader scope of history and emergencies that have, have faced humanity before and the times that people were able to come together as a collective and and be able to solve or not solve things there's some really compelling stories in history that can inspire us to to move forward and instruct us on ways to come together in a way to solve a problem I mean, there was times in London where people could not walk around and breathe. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just falling down, dying of respiratory disease, and it was able to be, you know, reversed or worked on. So, like, I think the hopelessness that we're all in yeah. could definitely, we could reflect on history and be able to say, like, well, maybe there are things that we can do. Yeah, and the cool thing about looking at, like, other narratives and other stories outside the one you're currently living in is it invites you to 
think and imagine outside of the narrative you're being fed mm-hmm. and it encourages you to imagine like a totally different world <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is like what's necessary for like i think rather than changing systems it's often more effective to create alternative systems yep. and organize outside them, yep. which is something I think a lot of people don't feel capable of doing, yep. don't know is an option no. because, well, we're not supposed to know it's an option. Yeah. But it's because like, we've been robbed of that 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 creative impulse by yeah. the system that is designed to destroy creativity. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like creating spaces collectively where you can regain that sense of creativity is where meaningful change and engagement happens mm-hmm. and that inspiration and that hopefulness and that belief in your abilities and the abilities of your community comes back. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and you know, this is why I, you know, February I always spend a lot of time on Black History Month. And uh, while I do spend some time talking about Canadian Black history, I always spend time on the U.S. civil rights struggle because mm-hmm. that struggle uh, was such a clear example of how, you know, a group of people faced with a system, a, a system of power that is just, you know, fueled by hate and oppression and and in which, you know, the people on the bottom of the system had zero voice but or, or power or agency and, and yet somehow through direct actions, through people making personal sacrifices, getting on buses, going into the South, getting arrested, getting beat up, like all of these things, you know, uh, resulted in 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 that system of, of Jim Crow being broken. And and that that historical example sh- is, is, you know, illustrates that as dark as things can become, you know, when humans work together, there is really we can change things, and and it's 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 absolutely essential, especially right now in the situation that we're in. Because I don't, I think we're now like I can't think of a of a situation more serious than the one that we're in now. I mean, not even the rise of Nazism in you know the earlier parts of the the twentieth century was was uh, a parallel to what we're looking at now. Mm. I mean. Back in April, our our world passed a threshold of 415 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. That has never existed in human history. We are literally in uncharted territory. The last time that happened was in the there was it was like millions of years ago. There was beech trees on the South Pole at that time. Hmm. So like. You know, and and uh, sorry, I just I just got really heavy on you guys, but like, no, but, but it, that to is return the to, we to, were talking to, about. to the thing about hope, like, like Greta Thunberg has, I think, said some of the most profound things about this. In that, this is not a time for hope. We should not be talking about hope until there's action, yeah. because until there's action, there can't be hope. Mm. So let's focus every. Let's forget about hope for now. And push for action because that's the only way we're going to be able to have hope at some point. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's the two sides of that coin, right? Yeah. Like the stress for motivation and hope to not block, uh, you know, inspiration. And, and this is this is why, like, this is why I've been losing sleep in the weeks before I start teaching my climate science unit for the last three or four years. And actually the reason why I'm running for the Green Party is because, like, I, how do you tell a group of teenagers that the world that they're inheriting is not going to be safe for them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I had to do, like this year I had a 16 year old girl tell me she doesn't want to have children because, yeah. because again, the world's not going to be safe. And, and so, you know, you, on the one hand, you want them to see the truth of the situation. But on the other hand, you don't want to destroy, <laughs> destroy their hope completely. <laughs> right. So, and that's where I think looking at social movements uh, and and the things that they've they've accomplished historically can be I think really powerful, um, but you know this is a massive challenge right now. I, yeah. I don't have a good answer for that as to as to to how to strike the right balance on that. Yeah, I, I yeah. think you just have that look in their eyes where you're like. Oh, and we've tipped the point, you know, like there is that moment where no more information goes in, but like, you know, to have a story on either side of that, because it it really depends on who's listening, right? Like, um, and and this is one of those things where I've just read a bunch of articles and I'm not an expert on anything, but I'm going to sound really authoritative. Um, (laughs) 
but I, I, I do really believe that there is a, a function of the brain that is narratively driven. So yeah. like if you live in a culture that doesn't have a word for left or right, you learn cardinal directions. Yeah. If you have uh, don't have a word in your culture for green or blue, you can't see an aquamarine. Yeah. Um, so there's like a linguistic bridge between yeah. ideas. And if we go with like Dunbar's number, this idea that your brain's only allowed, like it's only large enough to have the memory and the capacity to connect with about 150 people. So that's the number of people you can empathize with and care with. So there's a linguistic mm. trick and there is a story that we need to connect us and people we care about to the people on the other side of the world that we don't have the capacity to understand or care. Oh. So they, boom, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm really glad that number doesn't apply. Like, I'm glad that my knowledge of Pokemon doesn't factor in because <laughs> then I wouldn't be able to love any people. <laughs> All the Pokemon. <laughs> Like I said, that's just an amalgamation of all the things that I've read, and I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> but but I think you're hitting on something important, which is that like we and and I think Juniper, you were you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier too. That like stories and and like hearing things that are not our experience is a really important way to develop empathy, which yep. we need in order to like treat each other decently as people yep. and like also to make a difference with anything right because you can't like you can't have hope for the future generations and care about them if you can't empathize with like what their potential future might be yeah right it's it's all about narrative and and i think you know one of the one of the responses i gave at one at one point to one of my students about who is like feeling really depressed about you know all the things we were looking at in class was like you know every great myth of of humanity has and you know Joseph Campbell has written about this and this is what inspired George Lucas is really about a story of you know a, a small group of people who are facing an unbelievable darkness and then finding some way to overcome that darkness well guess what we've just been we are the characters in that myth right now mm -hmm. and and just as it was up to Luke Skywalker to Luke look inside himself and find a way to blow up that death star we've got to do the same right now yeah. but what do you do when the people trying to fight the darkness and the darkness are all one entity yeah how, well, do, we, how do we fight ourselves yeah right? that, well i i don't you know i i think that that it's we're not i don't think we're fighting ourselves i no. think we're fighting the elites you know like, like this whole narrative no about about you know that oh you know like one response that people have about global warming is to is to guilt individuals. Oh yeah, these young people, they don't care about global warming. Look at them walking around with their disposable cups and their gadgets and all of this kind of stuff. But but you know, like that whole approach that doesn't it didn't work. Shaming individuals about this stuff didn't work and it's not going to work. And it distracts us and keeps us pitted against each other so we can't organize against and exactly. the corporations, the governments that and are purposefully driving these systems. That's it. The biggest contributor to global warming is not like our our even our cars that we're driving. Yeah. It's war. Right, it's the U.S. military and the U.S. How empire. Many billion it, dollars a month. <laughs> exactly, going around, you know, destroying nations and and dropping bombs on poor people. You know that that is that's how we we're going to stop global warming is by shutting down the U.S. empire and then taking on corporate power. I mean, these let's and, not and, snap at, at shutting down America. Oh, well, not shutting down America, shutting I, down the American empire. Which, I do like people who live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, just still live just there. The, the empire. Just needs to yeah. I, I get what you're saying. We're just sending home your troops. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. I, <laughs> say, like, like that's not. I know Canadians get a little. Like we were talking about before. Like there's a little whitewashing, and I get a little superiority from Canada sometimes. I'm like. Yeah, but you're you doing so great. I'm on the right right well, like threads for Canada. It's here too. Yeah. Um, you know, like not to say that you're wrong. I'm just Oh, uh, no, no, no. Absolutely. No, you you're absolutely correct. We I mean, <laughs> and that's that's part of the problem is that we we keep electing these lackeys who will who will vote for whatever, you know, new venture the US empire wants to wants to do. It's like, mm -hmm. let's go destroy the most prosperous country in Africa. All right, let's bomb Libya, right? Like every, you know, Trudeau was on board of that. Uh, the left wing of the NDP was on board with that, right? Yeah. Like, so, you know, we've got a lot of looking ourselves in the mirror to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. 
No, no, like America knows it's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Canadians who are paying attention know that we're pretty shitty too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, I, I do feel like Canada, at least publicly, like hides it better than the U.S. does, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, they've they've definitely convinced everybody else that it's like, oh man. We're not Canada. <laughs> but, and I think Canadians have that mentality, but it's, uh, we're all trying to do better. Yeah. yeah. That's the one thing is that we should all just always try to do better. All exactly. people are shitty. <laughs> Paolo, we hope that answers your question. <laughs> this brings us to the final part of our show where we hop over to Reddit to find out whether or not somebody is the asshole. Uh, are, are you all familiar with Can I just with real this? quick before yeah. we jump to that, just say... I think the blanket statement of saying all people are shitty does a really, really big injustice. Like, not to attack the person, yeah, but it's just like, it's a dis- discourse I've been hearing a lot. And it does a huge disservice to especially the indigenous populations all over the world who mm-hmm. have been resisting colonial rule and trying to steward, like, environmental leadership for the planet. And when you say, oh, humans are shitty, humans are killing the planet, like, you're totally disregarding everything they've been doing to fight against colonial I, I agree with that, but also some of them are shitty. Like, it's not like a blank, like, there's some group of people that rises above, like, bad apples, you know, like, that we are not all capable of good and bad. Uh, and to glorify uh, one group of people over another in that way, I think is also doing a disservice. You know, like, um, but you are you are right. Like, we should we should do a better job of of uh, patting people on the back for when they do well. Hmm. But like to say that you know, like, um, well, a serial killer could never be Asian because they're great. <laughs> like, you know, it's um, individualism is individual. Like, there's a mixed bag for everybody. Sure. I mean, I guess I guess the point you're making is blanket statements in all Our directions are blanket. blanket statements, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But I think you're right, Juniper, that like we, you know, it's fun to joke about like, you yeah. know, humankind all being trash. But like there are definitely people who like have been fighting oppression against themselves for sure. For, forever and and, like, and and none of us are as trash as like the fossil fuel industry right sure. that has known for years yeah. what it would like their own internal documents show that they knew what they were doing to the right. planet and continued doing it anyway to make more money yeah so i, I can't put any individual like on the same level as that. Yeah, yeah there's that list of like 125 people who are killing the planet, right. all the owners yeah. of these companies. Yeah. That list is out there on the internet if you want to yeah. find it. It turns out being rich actually kind of makes you brain damaged. So <laughs> let's at least make a blanket agreement that all rich people are trying. There you go. <laughs> as someone who works at a golf course on Nuns Island, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that on air. Whoops. Yay. Do you, do you Fire me, I don't care. I, I no, it's fine. Right. Fire me, I don't care. Um, no one <laughs> listens to this. Like no one that I work with. Listen no one at all. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. all Anyways, right. moving on. We have a few options here for our Reddit thread for today. Uh, Rob, as our guest, I'm going to let you take the pick. Okay. The first one is called, Am I the asshole for telling my parents that I'm reconsidering my decision to retake my exams? Mm-hmm. The second one, Am I the asshole for calling the police on my neighbor? Ooh, the third potentially. one, Would I be the asshole if I went against a family member's wishes and called an ambulance? Ooh. The second one, I have the clearest answer to, but... (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's get into the police. Why not? Oh, goodness. Context is everything, man. Because it's Reddit, so my inclination is, you're an asshole. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) So this is uh, Reddit user Maximum Camera says... Maximum Camera? (laughs) I like that. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, My neighbors, Chris and Rebecca, I've changed their names, went on vacation for two weeks and asked us to feed their cat. They have a tenant in their basement who we've never met and we don't really know anything about. Yesterday I'm leaving home when I see an older man coming out of their back gate. We thought this was odd because we had some kind of idea that maybe their tenant was younger. Maybe this is another neighbor they asked to help out too. I wanted to test my theory. So I rolled down the window, called him over, and asked him if he was Claire and Rob's tenant. I had changed their names to see if he he would lie about it. He said yes, he was their tenant, and off he went back through their backyard gate and presumably inside the house. I called 911. He mixed up their names, so I thought he must be an intruder. The cops came with their guns drawn and told him to vacate the house. It was a spectacle. In all of this, my neighbors were phoned, and apparently he is their tenant. He just <laughs> forgot what their names were. I felt bad, but you can't be too careful, right? Was I the asshole for having an old man arrested at gunpoint because he forgot his landlord's name? 
Is it yes. the cops? <laughs> I feel like the cops are the assholes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, but but like knowing that, you're the one you're gonna call them on the the nice old man who's just going into his his low income apartment. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the cops. I mean. I'm just going to say it. Another blanket statement. All cops are assholes. All cops oh, are bastards. Yeah. I don't um, stand behind that. <laughs> well, you're in Montreal. You better stand by that. No, no. one here likes the cops. But no one anywhere likes cops, but also. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a handful of nice cops in the world. They're just part of a shitty system. Um, but yeah, like knowing that the cops are likely to be assholes. Yeah, you're an asshole for calling the cops on this old and, man. And like his only thing that he was going on was that the old man didn't remember the names. Yeah. I mean, I'm only 47, and I gotta say, I do forget things quite a lot. <laughs> and these like, days. how difficult would it have been for this person to call call the nice. owners who he's yeah. being like, hey? Just checking, like, what does your tenant look like? Like, how much damage could an old man do in the five minutes it takes you to call the owners? And yeah. He had a key, I he presume. Had, yeah, he also could have been like, oh, yeah, I'm just coming in well. to yeah. feed the cat. Like, right. you could have just gone in with the old man. Yeah. There were a lot of other options. Yeah. I mean, yeah, depending what community you're in and how your cops act. And if you're in the States, just don't call the cops ever. What percentage ever. of senior citizens are doing B&Es? <laughs> I, I, like, this, I mean, I'm this sure there's some. Me, this is a, this <laughs> me a young when man's I'm racket, I think. But like, <laughs> I do it's respect perfect. you'd never suspect them. That's true. Yeah. I do respect it's a different kind of discrimination than I'm used to seeing. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. When, when I saw the like the the title of this thread, and then saw something about a tenant, I was like, "Oh, they're gonna have called the cops on an innocent black dude who's renting." Right. That's what house. I was like, oh, so good. stressed already when you like ask question. I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna have to get into all kinds yeah. of racial issues here that yeah. I don't know how my co-hosts feel about." And I was like, "Oh, it's an old man. Yeah. Oh, well, now it's a weird ageist thing." Yeah. But all right. We don't know his ethnic background That's true. either, right? They don't. That's specify. true. They don't specify. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, I was ready for this to be much worse. <laughs> Although yeah. I feel like if the cops. No, never mind. I'm not going to say it. No, I'm going to say it. If the cops <laughs> pulled their guns on an old man, it probably wasn't an old white man. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, you're probably not. That thought did cross my mind. Yeah. But, I mean, it could be he's shaky or erratic or some something that made them nervous. Like, the thing always with these is, like, what is the information you're not getting? Right. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Either way, I think we can definitely say this person should not have called the cops. <laughs> Well, I think that, that you should be able to call the cops if you think that maybe something's not right. But, like, I mean, but you would you hope sh- that they're be not able going to, to. But most of the time, you can't, honestly. But, anymore. like, yeah, they shouldn't mm-hmm. be pulling guns on people because yeah. they, they serve a really important function in our society. We shouldn't be afraid to call them. I will give you that. Like, if if cops only did the things that, like, they're supposed to do, they would be so useful as people. You know know what's amazing? I I watch Paw Patrol, right? I don't watch Paw Patrol myself. (laughs) We have kids. And and there's a police dog. I'm really into it. Pokemon you watch by yourself. (laughs) Well, of course, yeah. (laughs) But actually, that's just as good an example. Officer Jenny on Pokemon. (laughs) Like, there's an Officer Jenny in every town. They're all cousins, you know. (laughs) Weird-ass Pokemon universe. Nurse Um, Joy also, what the fuck? (laughs) Anyways. They don't have guns. They just have dogs that breathe fire. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but like their entire role is to like make sure that everything is working right whenever there's some kind of calamitous thing happening they show up and they're like okay let's get these people to safety let's make sure everything is fine their job is not to like stop people in the street and be like hey you've you're you're doing pokemon wrong I mean, I, like That's, it's kind of how I envisioned the cops in Holland. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but they like they they've got no no guns. They're like these really nice looking guys that ride around on bikes and like I I, I kind of feel like if I was ever riding my bike around Amsterdam and it broke down, one of those guys would stop and help you out. That's yeah. what they're supposed to do. Exactly. Right, like right. they should be like equipped to deal with crisis. Right, yeah. should be. Mm-hmm. But it, like it's amazing. I, I watch a lot of crime procedurals, and I, I hope that those ladder up into like enough credits to be a lawyer. Um, it turns out it doesn't. Um, but like, if you watch American crime procedurals, it's like I'm subverting the rules. I'm gonna beat the shit out of this guy. I'm gonna save everybody. And if you watch British ones, they're like, you need to respect the needs of the victim. <laughs> Follow the procedure. Your uniform is not on correctly. <laughs> and it's such a different perspective. And I'm like, why don't we have those cops? I want those cops. My favorite one of those is Lucifer, 
where the premise <laughs> is that the devil went on vacation in Los Angeles and then became friends with a cop, and I now he Lucifer. does detective work. So dumb. Oh, I that sounds it. interesting. It's so dumb. I thought I was going to watch it and just, you know, watch it because it's dumb. It's also really good. It's really good. Oh, what's his name? Tom. Tom Ellis. Tom Ellis is a treasure. He is. <laughs> he plays piano and he sings. And every time he does, it's a delight. It's wonderful. <laughs> and, and he like, so this character will like, you know, they'll be like trying to find the person who did it right in any given episode and he'll be the one to get there first while his cop partner is like you know out of the building or whatever he'll just like pop into the room and like have a conversation with the criminal and like get into their head and be like what's going on what do you really want out of this why are you being a criminal and like break the person down and then the cop shows up and she's like got her guns and she's like i'm cop and he's like don't worry about it i already you know dealt with it rehabilitative justice is so much better please the devil please imagine if the devil is better at that than our police system then we need to rethink our police system right well well if we look at why our policing systems were established in the first place we'll realize the system isn't broken it's doing exactly what it's designed to do which is just a shitty thing yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways yeah but they could be doing good things. They could be. Yeah. And a lot of them do. I, I Like I said, the blanket stake. And I, I think it's uncomfortable to say because they do really hard, impossible jobs. And I, I love murder stuff. And I don't want to get serial killed. And I'm glad they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Like, there's, they serve a function. It's more the institution I'm speaking to. Yeah. Than. This it's is super officers. problematic. But the, so are yeah. You know, there might be like decent individuals yeah. that are that are police but you know there was also decent slave owners who decent who, individuals who, who, were who treated their slaves nicely and and respected them and were mm-hmm. were friendly to people and yeah. all of that but still they were still participating participating yeah. in a monstrous institution i get that but at, at its yeah. core the thing that you're talking about is inherently bad whereas like trying to stop somebody from stabbing me is not Sure. Well, but but but, <laughs> but is trying that to why social control of poor people is, and and I guess the debate of what is the actual reason for for the police to exist, I, yeah. is is there are systemic problems <laughs> involved with place, uh, class and and race and all of those things, but still at the end of the day, if somebody's throwing a knife at my throat, like I do want to be able to call somebody. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like oh, in the sure. base, their job <laughs> should be done. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of people whose jobs are done. Are <laughs> <laughs> we done? To the end of our show. <laughs> Woo! That was a show. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. It was this a was real great. pleasure again. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for coming on this journey with us. What did we learn today? We learned... Oh, so dude, so I don't even know things. anymore. <laughs> we learned that all cops are part of a system that makes them more inclined to be bastards <laughs> even if they're not all specifically bastards uh, we learned it is that, so uncomfortable we learned that Adrian's uncomfortable with blanket statements <laughs> and you're willing to make them readily <laughs> we realize that Juniper is maybe too radical to be in normal conversations with people <laughs> that's fine I'm going to continue to be radical but um, that's why I'm here I'm an <laughs> asshole <laughs> uh, we learned that you know don't call the cops on old people education is constantly changing and and you have to kind of feel the needs of the students and, Absolutely. and grow with them. Yes, and, yep. definitely. That's the most important thing. The other stuff is... Yeah. Eh. <laughs> That's the thing we learned that ties us into our theme for the month. Nice. Eh. Cool. Uh, yeah. If you like this, which I hope you did. I feel like it was a fun episode. I think this was our most intellectual episode to date. Nice. It's what happens when wow. we get like actual smart people. <laughs> not, not just our dumbasses. I'm offended. I'm smart. <laughs> It's true. You're smarter but, than me, at least. I said that... We have intelligence in different areas, yeah. okay? There we I go. said that having not done an episode with you, so... That's true. I will include me as a guest since I just came back from vacation. <laughs> you know. Wow, I didn't talk about my history as an educator at all on this episode. That's true. Yeah, we have other episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> um, cool, yeah. So if you like this, consider supporting us on Patreon. Like we said earlier, it's a great way to support the show. And you can get all kinds of sweet perks by doing it, including getting your name read in that list. Ooh. You know? Don't you, want, don't you want to be the name after Paolo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love that? Because that's what you get. If you're the next person to sign up, you get to be right after Paolo in that list. It's and I've been exciting. trying to get Tom to make like a sound drop for new people. So that might be you or it might not. It might I be. could just like <laughs> improvise <laughs> one. <There laughs> we we'll know. start doing something special. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a beatbox for you. 
We gotta do it. We gotta do. Uh, if you want some merch, we have it. We have merch. We have merch. Merch. Yeah. Mugs and stickers and you know, phone cases. What? Do we? Shirts. There we go. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, what, what's that thing that people always get? Shirts. We have shirts, guys. We should make socks. I, I would wish buy we could socks. Make socks. Maybe we should look into that. Yeah. Anyway, all the stuff we do have you can get from our lovely friends over at Tee Public by clicking the merch link in the description of this episode. And you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, which is like actually the best way for the show to grow. And for every new review we get during the month of September, we're going to buy a dollar worth of school supplies for a kid in need, uh, probably through the Clear the Lists campaign, unless I find out something horrible about that campaign between now and the end of the month, in which case we'll do it a different way. <laughs> Can I give a little plug? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also just want to say uh, to the listeners out there, if you're interested in having a planet that we can all uh, live <laughs> on beyond the next uh, 20 years, um, you know, we're in a climate emergency. This is a really important election. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Green Party platform, mm-hmm. do so, uh, because we are the only party with a plan to address the, the climate emergency and the crisis in biodiversity, as well as the party proposing a great plan for making Canada a more equal society. Sweet. And awesome. if you happen to live in the NDG Westmount riding, voting for the Green Party also means voting for Rob, which is exactly pretty cool. Pretty cool. So oh vote and donate to us or someone else that you choose. But if you like us, you can donate to us and we'll get a kid a protractor and maybe he'll be the one that or she will, or they <laughs> or they uh, will be the ones to solve climate change. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's it really, right? Like getting school supplies for kids enables them to potentially do great things later. I think we're one protractor away. <laughs> <laughs> is, that's that, it. is that the one that you trace or is that the one that draws a circle for you? I can never remember. It's the angles. That's, okay. The other yeah. one's a compass. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. It's been a while. Uh, share this episode with a friend who needs to hear some hard truths about the world. There's some tasty goofs. <laughs> you can follow the show on social media at Down With Talking, and I'm at Tons Latin. At Boxless Thoughts. I don't have it. That's it doesn't okay. exist yeah, right now. That's cool. And your I'm Robert Green. social page. Oh, um, at Robert Green Party Vare. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything else we want to plug? Bearing in mind, this comes out on the 10th. Vote. Yeah. Vote, 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 vote. When are the elections? October 21st. Okay, vote. sweet. Yep. Yep. Sweet. So, yeah, make sure to vote. If you're living somewhere outside of your writing, figure out how to mail in. That's mm-hmm. also a reminder to myself because I yes. still am a BC citizen. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a citizen now. So now I got to vote in <gasps> America. Great. I got to vote mm. in Canada. Do it. Wow, you're going to change the world. Two votes. Nice. That's true. You're twice as valuable than anyone else in this room. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> Wait, do you have dual citizenship? No, no. I wish. <laughs> I'm just offended by that statement. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> We're only as jokingly, valuable jokingly. as how many countries we live in. <laughs> Tom, um, you know who else is valuable? Ooh, hold up. I want to give one quick oh, plug sorry. as well. No worries. Uh, I would like to uh, give a little shout out to my friends Will and Amanda, who just got married uh, not yesterday at the time of release, but yesterday at the time of recording. Uh, they're so wonderful. September 1st. Yeah, exactly. Um, Will's been on the show before and is actually one of our patrons. And uh, yeah, they got married yesterday and it was really And you lovely. officiated. I did. It was Aww. really fun. Wholesome. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Congratulations. <laughs> it's nice to be reminded that like love exists. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, not that I'm cynical about love. It's just that like you don't, even if you're in a good space with that personally, you don't necessarily see it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to... You know, go watch someone, you know, meet their puppy for the first time or, you know, birth a child. Uh, sure. Go watch that one. Feel some love today. Just go wander in and watch a random person give birth. That'll be fine. I'm sure there's YouTubers who've done it. Ew. <laughs> 12 hour labor live stream. <laughs> oh, goodness. Don't like it. No. You know what I do like? Crackers and Jam. Oh, man. You met I Joseph. I met the bassist on the Cross Canada train ride that I did. And it took us like three days for him to be like, wait, you're on that podcast with Tom. You use our song as your theme music. And I was like, oh, yeah, you totally gave me a sticker. I should have. I was like, Crackers and Jam. Why does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Also, super on the down low because it's not really confirmed, but he and I may be doing some jazz poetry collaborations. Very right. cool. So that'd be sick. But not officially, but hopefully. Cool. Keep but us yeah, posted. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to see that happening, um, go uh, listen to the title track of, of e- uh, their EP Benson uh, on 
crackersandjam.bandcamp.com uh, and then uh, support everybody so that they can go and and do neat things and like that. Art. Yeah. yeah <laughs> support art. Yeah. Support creators. So thank those guys. Cool. And our show is produced and edited by Tom Zalatni of That's the Upfort Network. That's you. That no, is right. you. Do you want a sticker? <laughs> I do want a sticker. Can I have a lollipop? After this? Like I got green party buttons for all of you. Guys. <gasps> oh, yes. Look at this. <laughs> well, you can find out about all of our great shows at upfordnetwork.com, and I can see about getting you buttons. <laughs> on the on the down low, I'm definitely planning on buying a button maker for the network. At I was going to say we should do buttons for merch when our faces. You on. actually have a bag I, of I, buttons. I actually got if we put our faces on buttons, listeners will know what we look like. Thank you. There you go. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we're going to talk to Sarah Malika from uh, Montreal Improv. Oh, I love her. Oh, yeah. cool. It should be fun. See you then. Uh, Thanks, I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upford Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her pipe back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upford Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're, We're blasting, blasting off again. Hey everybody, we are the Don't Be Mad Podcast, partners of the Upford Network. My name is Matthew and I'm joined here as always with Jason. Jamali. We cover everything from politics, sports, and pop culture. And you can catch us every Monday on all podcast platforms, and you can watch our videos on YouTube.